How many times have you heard someone say If I had his money, I'd do things my way mm, But little they know mm, And it's so hard to find One rich man in ten with a satisfied mind I was waiting in fortune and fame Everything that I dreamed of To get a start in life's game mm -hmm. Suddenly it happened I lost every dime But I'm richer by far With a satisfied mind My life is over And my time has run out My friends and my loved ones I'll leave, there's no doubt But one thing for certain When it comes my time I'll leave this old world With a satisfied mind following a podcast dedicated to two words jesus used to change the world follow me he used it then and he uses it now what does it mean does it define the boundaries of our relationship with him come and join us as we explore follow me in the following hey welcome to uh, episode 22 of the following you can tell it's going to be a little different um, today. We're going to talk about a friend of mine named Nick Spanner. Uh, Nick had lived in New Zealand a few years ago, and we became, me and Kitty and uh, Louise and Nick and the families became really close friends, and and we've traveled with them and, and um, spent a good long time with them. And they've left New Zealand and moved to England, and then England and moved to Switzerland. Um, that gives you a little insight in Nick's character, somebody who would uh, some, go and start a business in a place that he... Uh, didn't know how to speak the language. He's done that, and then they started Corsair, and and uh, doing a great job. But um, we found out that just recently, in the last couple of weeks, that uh, Nick has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and um, uh, and well, I thought it would take take a be a good opportunity to to talk to Nick and 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 see how he's doing. Um, and and as we were talking, I said, Nick. Can we do this again, and I'll be ready to record it because I'd really like to have on record some of your insights because it, it seems to me that it matches up closely with what we're trying to do with the following. And what does it look like for an ordinary person, not a priest, not a nun, not a um, you know um, holier than thou person, but an ordinary person to follow Jesus? And I think Nick embodies part of that. He's he's flawed like all of us. He's not perfect and. But he he does at the top end of his, his uh, 
agenda is um, his belief in Christ. So uh, we're going to just t- t- we try to put, put the, the show together um, uh, last week, uh, but uh, my voice was in really bad shape and my head was even in worse shape with uh, the medications I was on. So we just decided to pull me out of the deal and uh, just let you hear some of Nick's um, um, musings as he talks about the, um, his relationship with Christ and his uh, um, love for his family and, and his business and the, just the way he views the Christian life. I think he'd be encouraged. Um, this is my, my friend, Nick Spanner. Two weeks prior to my going to the doctor in Switzerland, Uh, Louise and I had attended my sister's funeral in England and she had had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, six months previously. So on the 5th of December, we attended her funeral, unaware that the same disease was uh, in me. Um, However, uh, two weeks later, uh, I went to the doctor at Louise's urging because uh, my stomach felt a little bit funny and... um, I was losing, uh, I'd lost a few kilos, and the doctors in Switzerland are very, very efficient. And asked me questions, said, we're going to send you for a scan, which they did uh, uh, the next day. And um, I took the results of the scan directly back to him, and he sat in his chair, and then he moved his chair about a foot more towards me. And I thought, that doesn't look good. Um, he, he's, <laughs> he said, um, well, he said, I'm sorry. He said, but there's a shadow on your pancreas. And he said, it doesn't look good. And, uh, he said, we'll need to, uh, get you to a consultant. So, uh, my stomach dipped a little bit and you have that sort of feeling, but I felt perfectly relaxed about it. And I said to him, well, look, mate, I said, um, I'm a Christian. I said, my life, I said, is run by God. I said, and uh, uh, these things do not bother me. I said, so you can, uh, you can tell me absolutely the truth. So um, he seemed quite happy about that. Um, and then uh, we went to see a consultant um, the next day, funnily enough. And um, uh, he sat us down, very pleasant guy, and he said, we're going to do the very best we can for you. And he said, uh, uh, it has gone into the liver. And um, the prognosis that we were, we were getting then was it could be as low as two to four months, uh, which was a bit of a surprise. But um, as far as we could be, we felt pretty relaxed about it. Now, I speak for myself in that uh, because obviously it's, sometimes it is worse for the person, the husband or the wife who hasn't got the disease. But Louise has always been an absolutely massive strength to me. And um, we, uh, we accepted this. And I repeated what I'd said to the other doctor about our faith and that uh, we have no fear of dying. And to my surprise, I found that was actually quite true. And over the next two weeks, while we were still living with the thought it might be very quickly terminal, we went through a few emotions, not many. Funnily enough, when we prayed about it uh, together, um, the only time you felt a bit choked up and the tears came 
was when you realised or you felt that you would not be able to look after your wife uh, for another 15 years. But with regard to the disease, um, we said to the Lord, well, look, you're in charge of my life. And if you wish to take me in two to four months, that will be exactly right. If you choose to give me more, that will be exactly right. If you choose to heal me, that will be exactly right. But Lord, first and foremost, we want your glory in this. We want it to mean something and uh, we want it to strengthen our faith. And it's certainly done that. And um, so that was the initial reaction over Christmas. We had uh, Louise's mum and dad with us, which was lovely. Um, it was a good time. It was a good time. Well, I think that many people grieve over these sort of uh, illnesses that come along like cancers. Uh, they grieve over them, even when they're Christians, because their feet are too solidly in the world. And one of the, one problem that, uh, well, no, one thing which I have always done is, over the years, uh, I've prayed to the Lord, give me more faith, give me more faith. And uh, I've also added on to the, uh, the end of that prayer, I haven't got a clue how you're going to do it, but it's probably in a way which I may not expect or enjoy. And I think really that when we pray for more faith, we pray for more adversity. Because as we gain strength in adversity, it's like going to a gym. The more adversity you have, the more you trust and pray to the Lord, and the closer and the stronger your faith gets. That's my friend Nick Spanner, <clears throat> and uh, his perspective is on his own plight, in his own uh, struggle with uh, his disease. And uh, I just asked Nick to just kind of talk to us about um, his perspective on business and life and salvation and how and, and living life as a Christian and, and see what it looks like to, to be a follower of Jesus. Well... I never had a struggle with uh, with regard to business. When I was uh, um, about uh, 18, um, I asked Christ to come into my life. Now, at that time, I guess you don't realize the full ramifications of exactly what you're doing. You recognize that you need a savior, and you recognize Christ, and you accept and believe what he's offering, and so you start off on your Christian life. And um, you start off in the shallows. And even now, I would say I'm not very deeply in. But nevertheless, um, after I used to work for a bearing company then, and when I was about uh, 24, 25, it seemed to me that God wanted me to start a business on my own. I went to um, a friend who had been actually, he was a, he was a, a Christian youth leader, and he had started a business a few years previously. And I said to him, you know, what I was going to do. And his first question to me, funnily enough, was, are you going to run the business as a Christian, or are you uh, just going to run the business? No, 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 absolutely not. What it meant was that uh, as a Christian, in my heart, I had to run the business according to the way Jesus would want it. And... Um, 
Well, it's the essence of following him. It's perfectly simple. People make this all so complicated, but the whole thing is encapsulated, really, in the simple phrase, Jesus went about doing good. And if you can start to consider other people and treat them as though they were Christ themselves, however awkward, however difficult, however many times you lose your temper with them, you can still come back to saying, no, I am definitely going to try and treat them as I would treat Christ himself if he asked me the same thing. It's perfectly simple. But unfortunately, many of churches today tend to uh, major on huge love, worship, none of this is wrong, huge love, worship, and all the good, wonderful things floating on clouds. But the, the actual nitty-gritty message of the gospel, which Christ said, unless you pick up your cross and follow me and suffer um, the same things that I had to suffer on earth, you are not worthy of me. And this needs to be underlined. Yeah, there's, well, I've always tried to be honest, mate. Um, honesty, if you can't be honest, we, we are the easiest people to lie to ourselves. And I can remember an instance uh, where God pulled me up uh, quite sharply. We were doing very well in the first business I'd started, and I'd bought an Aston Martin, which was quite a rare car to see around then before all the footballers started buying them and cheapening the image. It was a flash car. And I, was, uh, I had it parked on the forecourt, and I was working late one night at the warehouse, and uh, I saw a guy walking along the road with his dog, um, a man who I'd often chatted with from time to time. So I was sitting at my desk, and I looked out the window, and I saw him stop, and have a look at the car and start walking around it and admiring it. And uh, I thought, oh, well, he's probably a bit lonely. And I'll go out and have a little chat to him. So I went out and he said, uh, wow, he said, is this your car? So I said, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I just bought it, you know. Um, so we had a little chat and I went back in feeling very self-righteous that I'd spent some time with him. And God said to me quite clearly, he said, you didn't go out there. To, uh, because you thought he might enjoy a chat. You went out there because you wanted him to know it was your car. And I said, Lord, you're spot on. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry. Get it sorted straight away. Admit your faults. Uh, confess your faults. Get it sorted straight away. After that, they're in the back. Well, I think that many people grieve over these sort of uh, illnesses that come along like cancers, uh, they grieve over them, even when they're Christians, because their feet are too solidly in the world. And one of the, one problem that, uh, well, no, one thing which I have always done is, over the years, uh, I've prayed to the Lord, give me more faith, give me more faith. And uh, I've also added on to the, uh, the end of that prayer, I haven't got a clue how you're going to do it, but it's probably in a way which I may not expect or enjoy. And I think really that when we pray for more faith, we pray for more adversity. Because as we gain strength in adversity, it's like going to a gym. The more adversity you have, the more you trust and pray to the Lord, and the closer and the stronger your faith gets. Well, you know, it's, uh, I think Christians also need to understand that um, if Satan can get you down 
either with concerns about your spirituality or concerns about health or concerns about yourself, then all you're doing is looking inward. I've always had a problem of comparison. Um, oh, um, they seem to love Jesus so much more than me. Why can't I seem to love him like that? Or you might see people waving their arms about in church and singing praise choruses. I'm not a big music person. And I used to look at them and think, oh, they must really love the Lord. They seem to be really swept away uh, with things. Uh, and I used to get feel guilty. Um, over the years, I found that it's just so self-defeating. So, you know, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling, you take it to the Lord and then you say, well, is there somebody else, Lord, I can go and do something for? For heaven's sake, turn your thoughts away from yourself, concentrate on somebody else, and all of a sudden you find these things go. If there's somebody you've got resentment for, say, I don't like them very much, Lord, and I'm cross with them, and this is why I'm cross with them, but I'm going to pray for them even though I don't like them. I'm going to love them. You don't, there's a difference between loving and liking. Love is an action. You do it. You're determined to do it. And you do it. One of my favorite choruses, I do believe, I will believe that Jesus died for me. And I repeat that chorus to me, to myself, whenever I think, well, you know, how's me faith? How's that? You know, oh, do I really believe? Blah, blah. Of course these things come in. Bishop Ryle put it very clearly when he said, what we have to remember is we are sitting in a house and Satan is throwing burning brands into, in through the windows and we have to be prompt and quick to pick them up and throw them back out again. And that image always stayed with me. It's, uh, it's an image of, uh, of constant battle constantly being aware of where Satan starts poking in with doubts and fears. Take him to the Lord. He handles that, not us. Well, very simply, mate, and not being sanctimonious or super-Christian about it at all, the only thing I'm interested in, really, is that throughout all of this stuff, Jesus is glorified. And if his name is glorified... Everything else is 100% correct. So whatever happens to me, it really isn't important. I hope that the Lord might keep me cranking along for another 15 years. I simply don't know. But I'm at peace about the thing. And um, Louise handles thing in, things in a slightly different way. She tends to keep things in at, and, and go rushing about doing more work and more help for people. But you know, Louise... Um, she is the happiest, um, most secure person I've ever known. I know people go on about their wives and all that, and quite right too, but she's perfect for me, and she's one of the, the rarest people you ever find. She is never, ever, um, she's never, ever thinking of just herself. Yeah, sure, she's as selfish as the rest of us in certain respects, but... Um, she's always thinking, what can I do for this person? What can I do for that person? And it's just absolutely brilliant. And God could not have given me anybody better. She well, I'll tell you something which is intensely personal that happened uh, 
last uh, Sunday night. Jordan is 30 years old. He's absolutely lovely. He's got a heart of gold. But because we've worked together, there have been tensions. And um, he obviously uh, uh, has been trying to sort of think, well, Dad's a bit fuddy-duddy. He doesn't understand the latest computers. And um, if I have to come and ask him, look, this thing's gone off my computer. Why has it gone off my computer? And then he will come over and uh, he'll flick a few buttons, put it on. And then in a voice which I then consider to be patronizing, he will go, "Uh, there you are, you've just done this. And sometimes I've lost my temper about that as well. So don't bloody patronise me. You know, uh, write everything down. Make sure you've got a list of this. And um, anyway, last Thursday, this was obviously uh, affected him deeper than I thought. And um, last Thursday, he he just put his arms around me. And um, he said, I really love you. He said, I was so looking forward to 2020 he said with everything and he said working with you through 2020 because we had a good year in 2019 he said and pushing the company forward that he said and it's all turned to crap and I said mate it hasn't turned to crap it's just changed a bit that's all God's in control he'll sort this out we had a very close time for about a quarter of an hour which has moved our whole relationship onto uh, a new plane. And if people said to me now, and this might sound very strange, and I was saying it to Jordan and mum this morning, I said, if Jesus or anybody said to me now, do you regret what's happened? If you could turn the clock back, would you expunge it? I said, no, I wouldn't. I'm grateful for what's happened because I'm confident that um, all the that God can replace all the years that the locusts have eaten in my life when I've done the wrong things and gone the wrong way. Um, God can use me now for whatever time I have left and restore those years. And that's an enormous blessing. Um, Are we reason to bring this to you in the podcast, uh, episode 22? uh, Please ask you, invite you to pray for Nick. And uh, the battle is in, uh, and tell it to people that you know to pray for your, your friend or a friend of your friend, um, Nick Spanner, who's in Neuchâtel um, in Switzerland, um, a godly man, a good brother, and a fellow follower in Jesus Christ. So um, pray, and um, God bless you.
Just a deal out of the way I should get 